Dave's five hot takes. Yeah. All right. So here we are with Claude Kelly. Um, who's handsome. You people tell you that you're super handsome. Um, and we're going to talk about, uh, five songs, five Claude Kelly songs. I, and I got to tell you something, man, this was really hard. And, and that sounds like something people say where they're like, I was looking at your catalog and because you just have a lot of really good songs and one we're not going to talk about. So this I'm cheating right now, but, but, but I wanted to put on there was, I didn't realize you wrote the freaking Carmen songs. Yeah. Broken hearted, broken. You don't understand when I, we, so I'm cheating now because this is technically, we're not going to talk about the song because I'm, I'm breaking the rules. But th- that I remember hearing that song the first time and I was like, this is like perfect pop music. I, I mean, I remember so distinctly hearing it and being like, this is like every Tetris piece is in the perfect place in this song, which is a little bit of a preview of what we're about to do with these songs. But this was I love that so song. hard. It was so I I if you could see the sheet, there's so many scratches. No, not that one, not that one. Okay, so I just want to jump into it. Let's talk first about Price Tag by Jesse J. Price is one of my favorite songs that I I, I love artist. I love Jesse. I love writing with her. Um we we I feel very proud of, the, of that song and and, our, and her and the beginning of her career, her whole career, but the beginning because um, it's one thing to give a pop star that has a lot of hits another hit, but it's another, it's another thing to help break a, a star. Mm-hmm. So price tag went around the world, and if you listen to the lyrics of it, that's that's what I'm about. That song is like my testimony. It's it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, please, I do like to get paid. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but but it shouldn't be about the money when you're creating the music, when you're trying to connect with people. Um, that song in LA with Luke. Mm-hmm. I love, she was in LA for, so the reason we even did Price Tag is because we actually did Party in the USA for Jesse and the label didn't like it. And so they're like, we still need a, we still need a single. And so Party in the USA sat um, for quite some time and went around to different people. And so because they didn't think they had a first single, we went back in and did Price Tag. Was it just a three of y'all? Mm-hmm. Jeez. So what does that day look like? I mean, is Luke, you know, Dr. Luke, for those who don't know, I mean, obviously he's a monster in his own. I mean, that's three substantial personalities in a room. Yeah. Well, Luke and I work, Luke and I and Luke and Max and I and Luke and Max and I and all, and all the different vibrations work, I think a little different than he, they work with other people. I don't know why that is. Luke had a lot of trust. Um, has a lot of trust in my songwriting and my arrangement. So he never micromanaged. He would just leave the, he would have a guitar line and he's a fantastic guitar player and would leave it there and say, you figure it, I'll come back and he'd be in another room. And normally he's like super hands-on, but I, he had a lot of respect for my gift um, and allowed me to do that. So he would pop his head in, but Jesse and I kind of sat at the boards. We were at Conway studios in LA and just, sussed it out a lot of it had to do with, Je- with jesse's actual life both part in the usa and price tag were about her life That's so, so, funny. so the whole idea of like um of of uh coming to america and feeling out of place and she's and, english right um, she's from london was what part of the is really originally was i think i'm gonna like the i think i'm gonna like the usa i think i'm gonna like the usa because the whole no. literally about her landing in LAX, which is why all that's in there, and and the cabs on the right, on the wrong side, and it was really, um, originally was 
Oh, not, oh my God, it's crazy. Oh my God, there's Macy's. Everybody, because there's no Macy's in London. Oh, Everybody looks so crazy. And so those songs, and then when that didn't get taken, we took the same approach because it, it felt like she was a very honest artist. She wanted to be talking about her real life. And price tag was how she felt about the business. She felt like she felt like she's being pulled in all these different directions and she was worried that she wouldn't be understood as a real musician and a real singer. And so we wrote this whole song about it being about about the, about making the world dance and the feeling as opposed to just all the flashy stuff. That song, I mean, th- this is the case with most of your songs, which is just a substantial gift to me. But that song, as much as any of them, it just feels like a tackle box for all the hooks. It's just like, you can't, it's like that is a song. If somebody looked at me and said, I want to write pop songs in 2020, I'd be like, okay, we're going to study this song. Like, this is going to be, we're going to break down every second of this song to show you how a song can just never miss a hook. It is crazy, that song, melodically, how hooky it is. I try to do this thing where, like, it's most important to me that I tell a story. And the song makes sense from like the verse makes sense going to the pre-chorus and the chorus and so on. But then I also try to make sure that everything is memorable. So sometimes I'll have a hook and I'll slide that melody and make that hook my first verse. You have to beat it because the hook has to be more catchy than the first. That's right. That's right. So that ensures that you always that you're always keeping your best ideas, but also that you're doing things that are always ear candy. Because that one, too, it has moments that if you're sitting there, you're like, oh, that's interesting. Because, you know, it has sort of like nonsensical moments melodically. But that's yeah. why it's so hooky. Cha-ching, cha-ching. You know, it's like it's got. And, that, and that's all a playoff of, like I said, I, I do a lot of. Pay- Jesse is a fantastic writer as well. Um, but the, the moments where um, those quirky things are, are, are me also championing for her personality, because then it comes down to like everyone can say it's not about the money. But then what makes it unique is how Jesse J says it. Mm-hmm. And how someone from Essex would say, bubbling, bubbling, cha-ching. That, that's what makes it a Jesse song as opposed to it being anyone else's song. Right, right. Um, okay, second, Grenade by Bruno Mars. I love Grenade. Grenade is, uh, I'm super proud of that song too. I, 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 what I'm most proud about that song is more being a part of, a part of Bruno's career because I think that Bruno was important for pop music when he came out. Mm. Um, I think Bruno, as maybe, maybe also Neil before him for sure, but Bruno came at a time where male vulnerability as, art, as an artist was missing. Wow. Hip hop heavy. It was very like, even if it was R&B, it was like, I'm in the club, I'm too cool for you. I got all this fancy stuff on and all that kind of stuff. And Bruno just came in the door on Just The Way You Are and Grenade and, and, and those kind of songs, which people forget sometimes is needed the same way that thing wow. about power ballads not being there for, for, for everyone, but especially for women. I'm like, but especially with all the emotions happening every day in the world, we can't deny those things for trends. So Bruno coming out with grenade, it, I'm proud of that because it reminded people that you can be expressive. Even the video where he's lugging the, lugging the piano down the block. I mean, that's so emotional. It's such an emotional statement of a song. And I think it allowed for a lot of artists after him to be deep and serene mm. and The Weeknd and Ed Sheeran, all people that came after that were able to be kind of singer-songwriter and, and heartfelt and make girls cry. Heart throbs. Yeah. Was that, um, uh, w- what was the writing of that like? 
we did that in a day. It was actually a half day. I had one last day in LA and his manager at the time, Brandon Creed was asking me to, was saying, well, he had asked me before and I couldn't do it. So I was, I was leaving to go back to New York from LA that day. I'm at Bruno's studio. He had a studio in, I want to say West Hollywood or Hollywood area. Um, and, uh, they had some of the idea, they had the idea already, like just kind of what they want it to be. And, uh, we played off all these ideas, all these extreme situations, throw my hand on a blade in front of a train, jump off a bridge, yada, 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 and kind of combined it into what would be the most poetic song. And I never heard it again. I never, like, we had the session. I never heard it. Uh, Brandon, I think Brandon called me and said it's going to be on the album. I was like, cool, that's great. It's great news. And um, the album came out, and it was almost a kind of a fan pick. Like, the first single was out, and then I saw, it was when Twitter first started. And it was just like, whoosh. Grenade, grenade. Everyone, this song is amazing. Claude, I can tell you work on this. I can hear you in this. And um, it just blew up. Because that was before, I mean, that that was his first record, right? Yeah, first record. So that was before he was a thing. So, I mean, you writing with him at that time wouldn't have been like, you, dude, I'm in the room with Bruno. No, no, that's, that's, I, had, I had no clue it would get that big. And the other thing that was cool about it was that I respected him because he was a dope songwriter. And I knew him from the songwriting business. I yeah, because he, yeah, he had... F you for all intended, like. But I met him before that. We both wrote on Brandy on this Brandy album, the Human album, and he had. This oh, song I didn't called, know that. Uh, Long distance, and I wrote a song for her called True and Camouflage. Two songs, Camouflage and True, and that, I remember meeting him on one of my trips to LA. And this guy, this Bru- this guy named Bruno, who was a great writer, who was also getting cuts and records and hits, and you should know each other and all, all that stuff. And that was the angle by which I understood him. So when he got a deal. It wasn't even a thing because, like I said, I wasn't thinking about being an artist, and I wasn't. And I had also just written with Jason Derulo, mm. who was a writer, who became an artist. So I was like, I'm more than happy to to support songwriters who are dope and, and want help with songs. And he, not that he needed me, but it was fun to be a part of a song where a song singer songwriter was getting some love. Yeah, and boy, is he good at what he does. So you kind of spoke to this already a little bit party in the USA. I'm fascinated by the fact that y'all wrote this for Jesse. It made the rounds and nobody bit. I mean... It made the rounds. It Jordan Sparks at one time was going to cut it. Some, and the label told her no. And it, somehow the way, it, it ended up not getting to Miley. It was, she was signed to Hollywood Records as a Disney star. And she was doing Hannah Montana. And the song was pretty much dead in the water. And they called Luke looking for a song that would go coincide with the specific, I think, Miley or Hannah Montana clothing line that was coming around, coming out for back to school. So it was a one-off exclusive deal with Target. Jeez. And so it wasn't even on Apple. And there wasn't Spotify. It wasn't on Apple at the time. It was only, you could only get it through Target.com or if you went to the store and bought some kind of merch merchandise, you get like a barcode or something like that. So it literally was that Miley Cyrus's fan base and people heard she dropped a song were so rabid that it went to radio and then labels had to backtrack and say, right, we have to release this song. And I think I had to wait like a week or two because of a couple of days because of the contract with Target to put it out on Apple. So it wasn't like the song that had this huge buzz and it was going to be this takeover record for her. I mean, I think she ended up liking it and, and, and Hollywood believed in it for this specific thing. They had no idea it was going to be that big. Don't, and the reason I was even excited about it was because I had no, I've never watched an episode of Hannah Montana in my life and didn't care to, but I loved the song, The Climb. Oh, man. You know, I, I, that song came out and I was like, now that is a song. Mm. That 
a timeless song. And that's what made me pay attention to Miley. And I realized back then that she was young, but she had this really, really unique rock and roll voice. That would be cool if, if she focused on that as well as obviously acting and being a star. And so when it came around, we flew to Savannah, Georgia to record no. that. Because she was filming a movie and she was underage. So there's only so many hours that a, a child can work. So she had to film for some days. We had her for like two hours for two, three. We had like very minimal time. There was no studios in Savannah. So we ended up recording Pardon the USA. This is real, real talk. We recorded her vocal for Pardon the USA in a studio that they, that they had to add Pro Tools to, me and Luke and Miley. But it was Paula Dean's studio. No. A room that she recorded her the voiceovers for her cookbooks. You are kidding me. There was no big studios there, and we only had her for so we couldn't get to Atlanta or anything else. We just had to get it done. So it was this tiny, tiny, tiny room, and with like a barely a booth, and they had to literally add computers and and some and plugins because they didn't have what we needed to record real music. It was just to for Paula Dean to say like, and you add three eggs and two eggs <laughs> of butter. Um, that's all. They, <laughs> so we went in there and really recorded her vocals in Paula Dean's voiceover studio. So did, did, how, what did y'all do about the lyrics to change them from Jesse's version? We changed, a lot of it worked. We changed the Macy's line because obviously Miley would know what Macy's is. And it was, uh, um, definitely not a, it was, it was written, it's definitely not a UK party. And we changed it to Nashville. Um, and everything else, for the most part, we kept the same. We kept some Jesse vocals in there. So her backgrounds are in there as well. Um, the influence for that song though, originally, when we did it for Jesse J, my influence for it was Jesse J was this raucous, loud, kind of like in your face, punky pop girl. And it kept, it just get, it reminded me of Cindy Lauper. And I love, love, love Cindy Lauper. Now oh. she doesn't get enough credit for being a pop icon. If she had done nothing other in her career, nothing else, she but time after time. Like that song and and, um, and True Colors just blow my mind. Two of the greatest pop songs ever written. I'll, time after time, to me I is that, I would say that that Cindy Lauper is to Madonna what Christina is to Britney. Oh, look at that! I'm down with that. Both of the better, the bigger, better, the the better, bigger singers, mm-hmm. and have taken a more musical, creative route. Are obviously pop stars, but in some ways, don't get the same attention as. The big flashy, less singing, but you know, star. Spectacle. Right. Yeah. Spectacle. But I love them all. But Cindy Lauper was inspiration. And I love that she was able to be a real singer, but be on a on on, on a really poppy song. And how could mm-hmm. that work? So the the reason that it goes, yeah, yeah, is is really from that's all I really want. Some fun. That, was, that is fascinating. So I was like, go up there and well and go, yay, and see what comes out. Think, think like girls just want to have fun. And Jesse, you being an amazing, unique artist, came out, yeah, yeah. So that was like our not imitation, but our yeah, tribute kind of. Yeah, to that, to that, and that's kind of what the song actually ends up feeling like is uh, that kind of rebellious. In the morning, night, and my mom—that kind of feeling of like rebellious. I don't, I don't care. Like it's a party. Yeah, that song. So, what about "My Life Would Suck Without You" by Kelly Clarkson? You know, I love anyone with the Kelly in their name. <laughs> Claude Kelly. You know, Tori Kelly. Tori. Well, there's, there's one Kelly we can't speak of right now, but. Mm-hmm. Touche. Uh, Touche. But you know, 
But Kelly Clarkson, uh, this is the power of Max Martin. Max had the idea from My Life Would Suck, Suck Without You. It was literally just mumbles. It was like, like just really mumbles and a guitar line. But Max is so Max that they already knew it. They had decided it was going to be the first single with just that. Dang. Because Max delivered. So uh, I got a call from Max and Luke and also Clive saying that there's a song that we have that's going to be the first single for Kelly Clarkson and it needs to be made, needs to be completed. And so they sent it to me and I heard it and I just kept on twisting the lyrics. And again, this is where it comes down to think about the artist and not repeating yourself. And I remember I was obsessed, obsessed with her second album with Breakaway and uh, Behind These Hazel Eyes and Since You've Been Gone and Because of You and all. That's one of the best pop vocal albums, period. And I was dying to work with her. It had been a dream of mine. So I was like, this is my opportunity. So I knew I didn't want to repeat myself, repeat myself and what she already said. So I, I knew breakup songs worked, but I didn't want it to be just like, get the hell out of here. Like, I, I just didn't feel like she should be bashing someone again. I felt like by this time she'd be more mature. So I was like, but not if she's in a relationship this time, it would be equally dysfunctional. And she took it a step further. She changed some of the lyrics. Uh, there, it was a little bit more like, hey, I screwed up. Um, my bad. I, I own this part. And she was even more like, no, let's it, let, that's why she was like, um, uh, we, we, I can't, I can't remember the lyrics of my own song right now. But it, she, she wanted to be more reciprocal and say like, no, let's just say we both messed up. We're yeah, 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 yeah. Screwed up in this relationship, and we made those twists, and we had her for a day in LA. And her and Luke are not the best of friends. Mm. Haven't been since the album before, and so in some ways, I was the songwriter, but also I vocal produced it, and it was also kind of the buffer, so that. Um, it wasn't World War Three between those two. Jeez. Um, and it, it, it wasn't. I mean, everyone handled it well. Um, Kelly was a pro, as she always is. Yeah. And it's a really high song to sing. And she wailed. She is one of the baddest, most powerful voices that I've worked with as well. And she came in there and one day and nailed it. And then went to dinner. And I said, we went to dinner. I said, we're going to comp it. And if you come back in a couple of hours and if there's anything that we're missing, we'll do it. And she came back and I think she maybe fixed one or two lines. And that was it. She, so what, I'm curious, was there a lot of purpose between the, my life, my life would suck, would suck without you. What, where did that, was that just a fun moment? Cause the echo to me is so fascinating. The, okay. Well, that was, that was Max's idea. Cause he mumbled kind of like the, we all we all imagine a stadium as a stadium song. So if ah. I, my life would suck, would suck. And the secret, which I know you'll appreciate, the good pop songs is most good pop songs are just really good gospel or CCM songs with different lyrics. <laughs> wow. So if you saw them like, cause we belong together now, yeah. That's Hillsong, pretty much. Yeah. Dude, so, that's fascinating. If you were in, if you were in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a in a huge church, Megatron, you're like, my life, my life was <laughs> You got the hacks here, folks. You came in. Dude, that is fascinating. That is so fascinating. 
And the title too is just a genius title. I mean, you immediately... now, now that sounds innocent, but at the time, yeah, oh yeah, sucking a lyric was like, oh my god, I can't oh. you're saying that. So yeah, that made it um, that made it kind of risque and kind of yeah. edgy. Which at the time, Kelly was known for a badass heartbreak breakup song, so it made sense. Uh, okay, and finally number five, dude, don't you forget? I mean, Lewis, oh, you, I love that freaking song. I love that song. Thank you, man. I love that song too. Don't you forget the last song we did for our album, American Griots. And it was just, it was, we listened down and we're like, something's missing. And sometimes we call ourselves a two man earth, earth, wind and fire. <laughs> Dude, I can hear it. Cause Chuck arranges and plays everything and arranged the horn arrangements in, in Atlanta. And there's just a joyousness and a bigness and a celebrate. It feels like a one big, Backyard Barbecue, that song. Um, but it's also a love letter to my my musician friends and also to, mm-hmm. um, at the time, I, I, I don't know what was happening, but I was emotional about something political. It was, it was, a, it was emo- it's a letter to black people and a letter to musicians because really mm-hmm. what it's about is don't forget to, like, don't you forget to remember me is, don't you forget to remember what it's all about mm-hmm. and don't remember who you are. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the video, there's, it's almost like a museum, very like uh, reading rainbow museum where it's like, we're almost like artifacts. And it's like, remember your, to, our, to your point about knowing a lot of music, know your history. Don't you forget why we're doing this. Mm. Um, your love is what gets me through. Like, um, like tell it, tell it, tell it, tell it to you, like we, we, we're all valuable. So that like, we need each other to get through this thing. I, I don't know. There's not a song we do for Lewis here that doesn't have double or triple meanings. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's amazing. So, talk like, to, but dude, talk to me about that breakdown. That's that it is such a trippy thing, man. So Chuck Harmony is a genius, and I'm I don't I don't take the, I don't say that lightly. I, I don't say it often. He is a legit genius. Like Quincy Jones is a genius, um, and he's been we've been working together for a long time. He does it a lot. Like I'll write a song, and then he'll get in the headphones, and you'll hear it back, and they'll just be I'm like, what, what? <laughs> so we knew that there was a section that we wanted to do something different. And he kept saying, I'm going to, I'm going to arrange something for it. But he actually, I didn't hear it. He went to Atlanta without me. Uh, I was doing something else and he went down there and arranged it. And I got a call. Like, I just want you to know that. Don't you forget, just got crazier. <laughs> and I, I, I trust him. I believed. So, um, I don't know. I, I, his brain is insane. Uh, that's literally his, or he arranged that by himself. And, and taught the horn parts. He 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 started he started music music being a horn player. Oh wow, that makes sense. He played tuba as a kid and taught himself piano and guitar and everything else. Jeez. So uh, it takes you into this like tribal, celebratory horn-driven march for like thirty-two bars, thirty-two maybe sixty-four bars, and then it comes back into that. Oh, get me through, yeah. And that's that. That's everything. If you listen to it carefully, it's we stack our influences on each other. So mm-hmm. it's like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Janet Jackson, and Atlantic Star, a little bit Chicago, Chicago for sure, um, Billy Joel, all all that's in there. Quincy Jones, um, but Quincy Jones, Michael Jackson, but not Michael Jackson. Everyone thinks about Michael Jackson. I we listen to and refer to the most is actually the Bad Album. Oh gosh. With those horn stabs on on those songs and the way it just sounds in your face and pop is just it's one. Of the- well, it's just it's just so musical. Like I was listening to it again the other day. I love that song, 
And I thought, you know, this, this sounds like music made by people who love music and making music. Which to me is the highest compliment. That's, that is the, I would say that's the highest compliment. Cause like I said, more than anything else, our people, and by our people, I don't mean the music business, but I mean our tribe, the people that heard it and felt it, all I could ever want is for them to understand it and for it to help them get through some kind of time or bring them joy. Mm-hmm. And that'd be the reason why they come to the show or buy the music. Um, I think we're about to do a, a vinyl of that album, actually. Oh, wow. For the fall. So That'll be amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. Just just, just because I feel like um, I love vinyl and it sounds so good on vinyl. Yep. Music yep. sounds good on vinyl. So we're going to yep. do but I, but that means a lot to me that you, that you chose that song because oh uh, my gosh that's my heart. well it was gonna be that or Claire Huxtable and I was like man I just I want to hear oh you chose don't you forget oh I, I, it just it 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 comes on and I'm my eyes are closed I'm just in it I'm swimming in it yeah. and I'm like oh god so good you know, um, a whole new album done so oh, I didn't know that do y'all well, have a well, all we could do during this time of being locked yeah, up, yeah, right yeah. And record so we have a new album. I, I'm not even sure I want to call it. It's a project. I, what is the album anymore? Who knows? Yeah, but, right, right, right. Uh, it's called Healing Feeling. Oh, dude, would you know when y'all are putting it out? Not. We don't have an exact date yet, but um, it's pretty. It's almost. We're like about two songs away from completing it, and it, I think it's better than American Griots in terms Dang. of being more. It's introspective. It's because mm-hmm. there's a lot more to think about, and it's, it's a more painful world we live in. But it's songs about. It's definitely songs from my heart while I think about and watch what's happening in the world. Mm. Dude, I, I, that sounds like the world needs to hear that right now. There's a song there that I, I, I think I know it's called headphones and mm. it's like, yeah, I'll send it to you. I'll, actually, I'll send oh, it to you. Yay. I'll, I'll send it to you. Cause um, I have that one, but it's, it, oh, it, I want to hear that. So Joker, but it's my favorite song right now. Yeah. Dude. Thank you again for doing this. Thank and you so, so much. For, for D Barnes. Come on now. Come on now. These five hot takes. Yeah.